0: Folks, Dr. Tim Jordan back with you here with another episode of Raising Daughters. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician who kind of veered off the medical path 30-something years ago. And I have been counseling kids um, for a long time. And uh, my practice now is just girls, has been for the last, oh, 15, 18 years. And I come to you and talk about different issues that pertain to girls, raising girls, what's going on for girls today which is why this topic I'm going to talk about today is so important. And even though it's an important, somewhat serious topic, I want to start out with a fun joke. It's one of my favorite stories. It's about these two little sisters who one day uh, left home and they walked down the street to a pharmacy that was uh, just around the corner. They walked in the door, walked right past the counter, and they went back into the part of of this pharmacy that had like feminine hygiene products. And they were rummaging around for a while and they came back up to the counter and they had a box of tampons uh, to the man who was the, the cashier. And the man looked at the girls. He said, um, how, how old are you guys? And the one girl said, well, I'm, I'm eight and my sister is five. And he said, do you know what these are for? And the older girl looked at him and said, well, not really, but we were watching TV this morning and on the TV set, the person on the TV said that if you use these, you can swim and ride a bike. And right now, she can't do either one. That's a confused little girl. And there's an issue going on today that's become more and more prevalent that's confusing a lot of girls and causing a lot of anxiety and frustration and confusion and also just uncertainty. And that issue is about questioning their sexuality. So I, I've been to several conferences, medical kind of conferences, about this issue, of, of kids who are transgender or adults who are transgender, uh, questioning sexuality, etc. I've read lots of articles, but what I want to talk about today mostly is what I'm hearing from girls, my observations about the girls that I deal with in my counseling practice. Even sometimes in my retreats, it'll, it, that issue will come up because it's on the minds of a lot of girls today. Um, I don't think it's just the girls who are confused either, by the way. I get lots of girls who tell me their parents have a whole number of different reactions to them coming, coming out and talking about questioning their sexuality. And some parents are understanding. Some parents are angry. Some parents stomp off. Uh, they don't know what to do with it. They don't understand the terms. They don't understand the whole pronoun thing. I think the same thing happens for a lot of their teachers. Teachers feel confused about how to handle girls who come to them, who are asking them to use different pronouns for them. They want to be sensitive, and they don't want to upset people, but it's also different. We're not used to looking at girls that way or or talking with different pronouns. So girls are feeling, I think, stressed, confused, anxious, because they're not sure what they're feeling a lot of times, and they're not sure what all those feelings mean for them now, in the short term, and in the long term. And there's a lot of good data out there that says kids who are questioning their sexuality, kids who are kind of part of the LGBTQ plus um, um, experiences, those kids are experiencing a lot more stress and fear in their schools than their non-LGBT peers. And this experience of, of, of being in that category, quote unquote, is associated with things like verbal harassment, name calling, physical harassment, they get pushed and shoved in the hallways of school. Sometimes there's physical assaults, all because of their uh, they're questioning their identity. Their sexual identity is different, and their expression is different. And because of these um, reactions to them, because of these situations where they're being harassed and bullied way more so than kids who aren't going through that, because of that, those kids end up having worse problems as far as school and their emotions. Their dropout rate is higher. They have much higher levels of absenteeism in school. They have lower post-secondary education aspirations. They have higher levels of depression, anxiety. Uh, Kids have lower self-esteem who are in the LGBTQ community. They have increased mental health challenges, more substance abuse, and more sexual risk-taking behaviors. So my intention for this podcast today is to give you a little bit of education about the issue, but mostly, as I said before, to offer you my observations about what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing from girls in the last several years especially, to help you better understand your daughter and or their friends. Let me just give you a little bit of information first that might be helpful just to kind of clear some things up for you, especially uh, some uh, information about terms, terminology, LGBT, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender is, a, is not just a personal issue for these girls who are questioning things. It's also a family issue. It's a huge cultural issue. It's a social issue at school with their friends. It's an emotional issue. It's a community issue. And it's also a, kind of a family dynamic issue as well. It's not as simple as just what they're going through. It involves all kinds of layers. So let me just throw out a few terms, and in my show notes, which will be on my website uh, when this is published, when this podcast is published, I'll have a couple of links for you to go to, so you don't have to memorize this as I'm talking. But just a few just a few definitions, I think, because a lot of you probably are hearing some of these terms from your girls, and you're like, what, what does it even mean? Um, gender, even something as simple as gender. Uh, gender is a set of cultural identities. Uh where we're codified as being feminine or masculine. And it's, tend, it, it's, it's assigned to us usually based upon uh, how our bodies look when we're born. Our sexual reproductive anatomy, if you will. Um, our gender identity is how each individual identifies themselves in terms of their gender. You can identify yourself as being male or female, androgynous, transgender, gender queer, all kinds of combinations. So the gender expression, what they say, is, is lots of different ways, whether it's behaviors, how people dress. It's the ways that people may choose to communicate their gender to themselves and or other people. Uh, girls talk a lot today about pronouns. And they want, uh, they want me to address them with, with certain pronouns, which I'm more than happy to do. And the pronouns that they use, or what they want us to use, are not traditional Traditional things, like for me, would be I'm a he, a him, a his. A traditional um, uh, gender-at-birth female would be she, her, hers. But some of these girls prefer gender-neutral pronouns. Things like um, they, them, or their, or theirs. Some people prefer no pronouns at all. But I think it's good to know what your daughter prefers and to listen Sexual orientation is the inner feelings of of who a person is attracted to emotionally and or physically. They may identify themselves with their sexual orientation as being straight, uh, asexual, bisexual, gay, lesbian, pansexual, which I'll explain in a minute, um, queer, straight. Bisexual is someone who is is, uh, attracted emotionally and physically to, to both genders, both male and or female. Cisgender is someone whose gender identity and expression are aligned with the gender they were assigned at birth. So I was assigned a male at birth because of of what I looked like when I came out, and I identify as a male, have my whole life. So I I would be considered a cisgender. People who are considered gay are people who are emotionally and are physically attracted to people of the same sex. So guys who are attracted to guys, girls to girls. Some girls prefer to be called gender nonconforming. Gender non-conforming. That's a person whose gender identity and/or their expression doesn't conform to the gender they were assigned at birth. So they're not going to conform if they were labeled as a girl at birth because of because of, of their uh, sexual um, reproductive parts. Then and they're non-conforming if they decide I don't feel like a girl. Um, people who are uh, call, uh, consider themselves gender queer are people whose gender identity or their expression doesn't conform to the gender they were assigned at birth it's similar gender queer does not necessarily mean they're transgender just means that they don't necessarily associate, associate themselves with the gender they were assigned at birth pansexual is someone who is emotionally and or physically attracted to some people regardless of their identity regardless of the gender that they don't really see gender they just are attracted to people they don't care uh LGBT or LGBTQ stands for people who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. And the Q is those who identify as being queer are questioning. Queer is kind of an umbrella term used to describe an orientation, a sexual orientation or identity. that doesn't conform to like societal norms. So it's they're not boy, girl, straight, whatever. It's like they, it's a... Uh, it's different. They're non-conforming. And last but not least, transgender are people whose gender identity or expression are not aligned with the gender they were born with at birth. So it's people who are born who look like a boy but who feel like and identify as a woman or a girl. So when girls are questioning what they are and, and what their orientation is, it's, I, to me, what is more helpful for me no matter what label they tell me like they may say i'm pansexual or i'm i'm queer or i'm or whatever i always ask them what does that mean to you because sometimes they're misinformed as much as we are and they're sometimes they get to the, con- the terms uh, kind of confused as well so i to me what's might what might be more important is is observations about themselves as opposed to a label um and i think a lot of times girls like it when i do that because it shows respect for i want to get to know them i don't care about a label i want to know what it means to them i think girls are much more open today to talking about that they're more open to questioning their sexuality i remember when i was a kid back in the 60s 70s i remember hearing from adults that it was normal for people to sort of question things like that when you're when you're a teenager I mean, it wasn't okay to be gay, necessarily, for a lot of people, but it was okay to question. That was considered normal. Well, I think it's considered even more normal and okay to question and to talk about it. They see it. It's more visible on TV in movies in books on social media. It's become more okay to come out and at least question their sexuality. It doesn't mean they're going to be that their whole life. It just means it's okay to kind of question it and check it out. That questioning thing um, is a big one. A person who's in the process of trying to understand and explore what their sexual orientation and their gender identity is going to be. That's where I see most of the girls that I work with. They're questioning. And I I think there's a lot of reasons why girls are. And let me give you a bunch of them. One of them is that for some girls, it gives them an identity. I see some girls who, who have never quite fit the mold, like they were never a girly girl. Um, they just didn't fit their family's mold of this is how everybody in our family is. I'm not sporty or whatever. And so they've always been searching for something, some identity for themselves. And sometimes they'll pick that. I see girls who are who are labeled as being emo or artsy. They're into things like anime, video games, online games. These are the girls I'm talking about. So, so one subset, I think, of the girls who I see who are questioning kind of fit that. That they're trying to find, figure out who they are in a lot of different ways. And their sexual identity just becomes one of them. And they find a lot of um, kindred souls in the LGBT community. People who, um, who are also feeling maybe a little bit isolated or alone are different. And so they're more accepting. And so for some of the girls who I see, that's the first group that's really accepted them for their differences. And that feels good to them. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to end up on that spectrum. It just means that's the group that they've aligned themselves with. Um, Those kids who are in the LGBT community, as I mentioned before, have also been teased a lot, bullied, left out. And so girls who have also experienced that, they may find themselves... um, associating with girls in the lgbt uh, girls or boys in the lgbt community because again they're kindred souls in that way i also think for some girls saying that you're bisexual or saying that you're pansexual or giving yourselves one of those labels or talking about pronouns pronouns is kind of cool to do that today it's like they feel a little bit avant-garde they feel a little chic it's a way to be different in a kind of a cool way for some girls it is a way to be noticed It's a way of like putting yourself out there and getting a reaction. They get some notoriety. They get attention. It's not always good attention, but at least it's attention. They get noticed. That's not all the girls I see who are are questioning their sexuality, but it is some of them. I also think for some girls, it's a way to trigger and or piss off their parents. It's a way to rebel. It's a way to push up against their parents, especially if they have parents who are very close-minded, if they have parents who are very controlling, if they have parents who are very religious. Um, I think for those girls, this is an issue. It's a, a hot-button issue for, for some people, for some cultures, for some religions. Uh, just, just, oh, just look watch the news any night or pick up a newspaper. There's all kinds of stuff going on in different parts of the country, in Texas and Florida, other places where there's all kinds of um, conflict going on about this issue. So for some girls, I think it is a way to to kind of rebel and to kind of uh, stick their nose up and say, I'm going to be who I want to be. I never say to girls that I think it's just a phase because I think that that's disrespectful to them. And it minimizes what they're going through. It minimizes their feelings. Um, And I think that's important. For some girls, it probably is something that they're transitioning through. They, I think many of the girls who I see probably will end up being straight in the long run. That doesn't minimize what they're going through now. And I think that's important to, to remember. People don't choose their sexual orientation or their gender identity. Research would show that, that uh, sexual orientation, gender identity emerge typically early in life. And it's not really dependent upon things like home factors or how you were parented. People can choose how they're going to express themselves, but their underlying sexual orientation and their gender identity are not self-selected. They're not lifestyle choices. I've seen a lot of parents who end up taking their their kids out of schools. I've seen parents who tell their kids they can't see certain people because they say they're a negative influence. They're influencing you to become a lesbian. They're influencing you to become bisexual. And what that does is it further isolates their daughter's Which adds to their stress and their their depression. What I say to girls is to relax and take the pressure off. They don't need to know now. They don't need to know that when they're 45, they're going to be pansexual or bisexual or lesbian or whatever. They don't need to know that today. I want them to let their life unfold. I want them to have more life experiences. And I think what it, what tends to happen for people is their sexual orientation and their gender identity becomes more obvious as they get into their teen years, their later teen years, and beyond. I don't like to see them so stressed about it, confused and stressed and, and pressured. Sometimes they're being pressured by their peers to decide. I think it's okay for them not to know. I think it's okay for them to question and to explore and experiment. I also think girls need safe spaces to talk about their feelings and their thoughts about this issue. I think keeping secrets about it creates a lot more stress and anxiety than, than anything. They get caught up in their heads. A lot of times they ruminate worst-case scenarios about the reaction they might get if their parents found out, if their grandparents found out, if their friends found out. Um, Talking about it moves them from their, their fear center, their emotional center, the amygdala in their brain. It moves them from there into their prefrontal cortex, which is much more reasonable. It allows them the reason to supplant their emotions. And they need to kind of think these things through over time. I think keeping secrets about it Makes them feel very alone. It makes them feel isolated, like they're the only ones who might be feeling all this, and that might lead to more anxiety, panic attacks, depression. And that part about thinking they're the only one is huge, because they're not. Because of all the judgments in their homes, and the judgments in their schools, and the judgments um, in their churches, and the judgments in their in the in their state politics, etc. Because of all that. A lot of times it, they don't feel safe to come out and talk about things. And so they hold it in and they keep secrets. And then a lot of times that ends up becoming expressed as things like anxiety and depression, etc. I want all of you parents listening to this, our teachers, I want you to be safe, non-judgmental listeners. I remember one time I had a patient years ago. She was a high school girl. I remember she um, she came to me because she had was having problems with with her parents' power struggles, arguments, etc. Remember, she told me a story that she came home from school and she was a junior in high school at the time. She came home from school one night and she was sitting at the dinner table with her whole family, and she said to her family, "By the way, one of my friends, you know, Susie at school, is pregnant." And the first words out of her dad's mouth were. Well, that doesn't surprise me. She was always kind of a slut. And when, her, when his daughter heard those words, she said to me, what I said to myself inside my head was, I will never talk to my dad about boys or sexuality. He closed that door because he was so close-minded and judgmental. I've had parents tell their kids that that they, if they think they're a lesbian, that, that lesbians shouldn't get married. If they ever get married, they won't come to their wedding. I've had parents cut off communication with their kids. And that, again, further isolates girls. It also causes them to feel shame sometimes, more confusion. That doesn't help. It's good for all of our girls to learn how to have quiet alone time, to think and reflect and to soul search and to journal their thoughts and feelings. Maybe write some fictional stories about what's going on for them, but with a fictional character. And this fictional girl works through her feelings and her challenges. It's a way to kind of reflect and soul search. Some girls are are clear about who they are. They've embraced it. But the people around them have not. And that mismatch is what causes the anxiety and stress and anger within them. It's not that they're confused. It's that the people around them are not accepting them. And that's what causes the issues. A lot of the lesbian women that I know have told me that they knew they were gay by the time they were 13, 14 years of age. Some girls are still confused and questioning at that age or trying to fight it or deny it because of the external pressures and judgments around them. I remember I went to a conference a few years ago about transgender kids. And one of the things that I came away with was was the um, process of me, look how I was going to look at them. And what what tends to happen with kids who are transgender is that many of them knew right from the start. They're the kids you hear about, the little little boys who dress up in, in dresses and little girl clothes when they're three, four years of age and who wear purses like their mom or wear high heels around the house when they're little kids that they early on identify uh, with the, uh, gender different from their biological parts gender. That's not always true, but it's often true. And as they become older, they become upset when people try and deny them um, dressing how they want to dress or, or being able to, if they're a little boy, to play with dolls or, or quote-unquote girl kinds of things. As they start to get towards puberty... Um, then it becomes important to start assessing, you know, where are we gonna you know, how are we going to handle this? I think when they're young, I, I think it's it's probably the best thing to do to support them is to allow them to dress how they want, to not make a big deal out of it. I know when girls sometimes in my office or on retreats when they when they want to talk about their pronouns, and I think what I've learned to do is be like, okay, you, what do you want me to call you? I'm open. I when I show no judgment and no pushback, it makes it a pretty much a non-issue. There's nothing to fight against or to rebel against. But for kids who have been who have been showing you signs since they were little little kids, that they are identifying with a, a different gender than their biological one, I think there's three words that I heard in that conference that that are important as they approach puberty. One of them is, had they been consistent. With with their behavior over the years, had they been persistent in in persisting in saying I'm I feel like a girl I want to dress like a girl or whatever, and had and they've been insistent, like they're really intense about it. Because as they get towards puberty, as puberty starts, when they first start to show signs of physical puberty, that's the time if they've been consistent and persistent and insistent, that's the time when they might need to go to see a counselor to allow them to start to start talking through how they feel. And also perhaps their pediatrician can can talk to the parents and/ or to an endocrinologist and talk about what are we, what are we going to do about puberty? Because kid, because kids who have been consistent, persistent, and insistent, and now they're 12 or 13 or 14, and they're starting to get breast buds and they're starting to get pubic hair or whatever. and, and their sexual um, parts are, are, are enlarging. Sometimes that's the time when they, they might need to be, go on hormone therapy to stop puberty until they can get more years behind them, some counseling, more thinking. So that what you don't want is, is if you can avoid it, is for them to have their full um, genetic, you know, biological um, puberty parts. You want them to have large breasts and pubic hair. You want them to have a large penis and all that hair and the deep voice. You don't want them to have have all that and then have to try and undo all that. So when they are kind of like in that early puberty, when they're first starting, if they've been consistent, persistent, insistent, that's the time when I think it might be, I think it would be appropriate for a little bit of counseling and also some counseling maybe from an endocrinologist to consider should we start our daughter or son on hormones to allow them some more time to figure this out. Um, and then if they've been on hormone therapy for a while, and now they're 17, 18, 19, whatever years of age, and they've been going to some counseling, if they still are consistent, persistent, and insistent, when they get into their adult life, then they can make other choices about surgeries, etc. But if you have, a, if you have a, a, a three-year-old daughter who wants to dress like, quote-unquote, a boy, or, or a five-year-old son who wants to play with, with quote-unquote, girl toys, to me, I would I would low key it. I wouldn't get all upset. I wouldn't get intense about it. I would I would pretty much allow them to, to to lead the process. If you have if you have a daughter who is in middle school or high school who's questioning their sexuality, I wouldn't make a big deal. I would listen. I'd ask them thoughts about you know what are they thinking and. And what are they doing about it? And what's been the reaction of their friends and what do they need from you? What kind of support do they want? I'd allow them the space to say, you have some you have the time and the space to be able to think about this and to process through it. You don't need to get stressed. You don't need to worry about us judging you or or disowning you. We we want you to, we want to be here to support you through the process of figuring it all out. To me, that's in my experience, that I think that's the healthiest thing for them. I think we're always, all of us are always becoming. We're never really done growing and changing. There's lots of transitions we go through in middle school and high school and beyond. So I want our girls to know it's okay to not be there yet, quote unquote there. To learn to embrace their growth and embrace the uncertainty that comes with it. It's okay to be uncertain. It's okay not to know. Relax. It's okay. You'll figure it out over time. I want them to know that there's lots of paths for them to to walk on. There's not just one or two choices. It's not black and white. It's not a black and white issue. I remember I heard a story. I may have told you this on a podcast before, so I apologize if I have. But it's about Princess, or former Princess Meghan Markle. And her dad was Caucasian. Her mom was African American. And she remembered one time when she was in, I think she was in middle school. And they hand out some kind of a census thing for them to fill out. And one of the boxes she had to check was her race. And she sat there and she didn't know if she should check off the Caucasian box, the African-American box. Because she was worried, well, if I check off Caucasian, I'm kind of like disowning my mom. If I check off the African-American, I'm kind of disowning my dad. So she sat there looking kind of confused. And her teacher noticed that. And the teacher walked over, he said, You know, Megan, what's the problem? And she said, Well, I don't know which box to check. And the teacher said something to the effect of, Well, you look like you look you look like you're white, so I would check the Caucasian box. And then he walked off, and that did not sit well with Megan, even as I think it was a middle school girl. So she left the box blank. And when she went home that night, she looked upset and her dad said, What's going on? She told him this, what had happened. And her dad said something to her, which I thought was very prescient. He said to her, Look, Megan, he said, There's going to be a lot of times in your life when people are going to say things like that to you. And he said, My suggestion to you is when you're not sure which box to check off, or if, if the boxes don't fix or d- don't fit for you, to make your own box. I think that's true for a lot of the girls who I see. I want them to make their own boxes. I want them to to allow themselves to go down different paths if that's what their heart is saying for them. So if girls want me to call them by a different name, which they do sometimes, a more male-sounding name, I do it, gladly. I don't make a big deal out of it. They get no reaction from me. They get no reaction from the people I work with, and so it becomes a non-issue. And it gives it takes the energy out of it, so I can just connect with them, and and then. It's not about that. That's a part of them, but it's not only the only part of them. There's a lot more of them than just their sexuality. It doesn't really define them. It's a part of who they are, but it doesn't require me to treat them any different. I think it's the same way for you parents who are listening to this. Be a good sounding board. Be a good listener, a good non-judgmental listener. I want your daughters to come to you. And to bounce things off of you, I want them to know that you will listen without judgment and try and help them process through um, their questioning. Like I said at the beginning, I will I will put on my show notes uh, on our website when this comes out, I'll put a couple of links for you to, to look at. There's some sites that have some more information that might be of interest to you. If you have a daughter who is questioning their sexuality or if this issue is of interest to you. I hope this helps. Um... It's a process for me um, to learn about this, to understand it, understand where girls are coming from and what they're going through. I think it's true for for most parents because this wasn't an issue out there that we talked about when we were growing up. It's new. The issue is not new. I should take that back. The issue isn't new, but talking about it is. And allowing kids the freedom to explore and to talk about it and question it is newer. So I want us to us all to embrace that and to support our daughters because they need it. They need our support and love. Thanks so much for stopping by here every week. I will be back here in a week with another podcast. Check out the website www.drtimjordan.com. The show notes will be on there attached to the um, to this podcast and you'll see the links there. I will be back here in a week. <laughs>